2. And stand with me as you turn, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. And uh, just a simple message tonight, and maybe short. Don't hold your breath, though, but maybe short. All right. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I want to read this first four verses here tonight. And since there's only four of them, why don't we read them together, if you would. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for the privilege of being in church tonight on a Sunday night. I just thank you for the privilege of just being in church on any Sunday. And I think of many places around the world where, Lord, they might face a physical threat if they were to come to your house. And yet we come here freely and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for your son who died for us and rose again that third day that we might be saved, that we might come boldly before the throne of grace and know that you hear and answer prayer. I pray that you'd meet with us tonight, speak to our hearts, give me wisdom in what I say. Lord, I love you and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This passage of scripture, there's a clear call to prayer for our leaders, and that's just the title of the message, just a clear a call to prayer. And God gives us this call, really less of a call and more of a command. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication, prayers, and intercessions, less of a, less of a call or a request so much as it is God giving us that command, pray for those authorities and those leaders in your country. Think of what an important thing this is. I, I don't know about you, but the last few years I have grown, uh, maybe, I don't know what the word is, a little frustrated with our politics. Politics are always frustrating, aren't they? I, uh, generally they are, but the last few years uh, especially so. And I think that's felt among many. You know, there's a frustration with it, the course of our country and different things that come about. And sometimes not just the course of our country, but a frustration with those leaders in those places, isn't there? There's a frustration with it. Maybe sometimes we see a duplicity or someone who's after an agenda that we are not. And I think if we're not careful, we can, we can in that frustration, uh, we can just kind of cast off any desire to do anything with it, specifically this matter of prayer. And in this passage of Scripture, God calls us to prayer. As I was praying for our first responders day, and as I was praying for our leaders in our, our state this next week, I'm, I'm headed to D.C. for, there's a, a conference for the, the Associate, American Association of Christian Schools that our school kind of has a part in. And as a result of that, I'll, I'll see some of our congressmen. And that's so why I was just praying for it, that frustration, you know, sometimes you, that just kind of builds towards things in politics. I was convicted. How much praying have you done? How much praying have you done? Look, I, I believe in voting in certain ways, and sometimes we're disappointed with the way it goes and all of that, but God doesn't, there's not a, I think voting is an important part of our citizenship, but in this passage of Scripture, there is a clear call, a clear command from God to pray, a clear instruction, and boy, I, I want to please the Lord with my life, and I, and I want to look at that tonight, just simply this call, this call from the Lord that we would lift them up in prayer. I want you to notice the first thing is just the privilege of prayer. Look at verses 5 and 6. We didn't read these verses together, but let's read them aloud together, if you would, starting in verse 5 through verse 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, 
to be testified in due time. Well, what a privilege prayer is. What a privilege it is. The basis of our prayer, the reason we can pray is we have a mediator between us and God. Are you not thankful for your salvation tonight? Are you not thankful for the grace of God that is new every day? The mercies of God, how he extends it over and over and over again to us. The fact that he would first love us, we love him because he first loved us. That amazes me when you think about the love of God. Two songs, I think of the song that was here, or the song that was sung this morning, and the verses that were quoted. Just a love that God has for us, the love that we should have for him. And the source of all of that is what Jesus did for us at Calvary. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Giving us standing with him. The fact that we're saved tonight and that that you and I can sing songs about our Savior and sing songs about Calvary because of his love for us, that he would leave the throne of heaven. That amazes me. The one who would say, let there be light and speak this world into existence would love an unholy, sinful people. A perfect God. I don't know about you, but I think if I was God at the point of Adam and Eve, I would have just started all over again. But God didn't start all over again. As a matter of fact, he knew it was going to happen. As sure as he had a plan that was before the foundation of the world for our redemption, he had a love for us that was before the foundation of this world because he made us knowing us that we were going to sin. And he lived his life without sin. He sent his son to die on this cross for the sins of the world. Hebrews 12 and verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The next phrase is what gets me. Despising the what? The shame. The shame of the cross. I think of the endurance of the cross. I I think of the outward agony for some reason when I think of that, the outward agony that our Savior experienced. I think of when they would have plucked out his beard or when they would have smitten him across his face or when they drove that crown of nine or that crown of thorns down upon his head and mocked him. When they beat him with a cat of nine tails till his flesh hung from his bones. And Psalms 22 would say his bones were made bare. When they beat him to the point that he was unrecognizable as a man and threw that purple robe around him once again to mock the fact that he was somehow royalty. They would strip him naked in the common hall and send him to carry his cross up to Calvary and he would carry it. They would drive those nails through his hands and through his feet and make him hang upon that cross or he would willingly hang upon that cross until he would say those words, it is finished, and give up the ghost. And he would lay down his life willingly, but it wasn't just the physical agony. He he, he endured the cross despising the shame, the dirt of sin. You You ever do something so wrong that it left you feeling dirty? Just dirty? See something, look upon something, do something? You know so wronged your Lord that even in the middle of it, you just hung your head in shame because it left you feeling dirty. Our Savior bore that at Calvary. A sin, the shame of sin. He took it upon him. Why? Love. He loved us. He desired us to have a home in heaven, but far, but more than just that we would have a home in heaven and be his child he gave us the incredible, incredible privilege of prayer. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 
Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Prayer. To come boldly before his throne that I know that, that he, he took that, that veil in the temple and, and the moment he gave up the ghost that God rent that, that veil in the temple that separated man from the presence of God. He rep, ripped it in twain and said, come boldly before my presence. The privilege of prayer. The incredible privilege of it. That you and I can come boldly before the throne of grace and the reason we can come boldly is because we belong there. In Ephesians, he reminds us that we have a seat in the heavenlies. We're the joint heir of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we come into his presence, we come there with a sense of belonging because we are a child of God, born again, a child of the king. The privilege of prayer. Wow. How many times we take for granted what we have. I was talking with, uh, you know, some of the fellows here today at the, the lunch there and I think it was the, I don't remember which one it was that mentioned it, just, but just the reality that some of our young people weren't there at September 11th. How many of our young, or weren't around, weren't alive? How many of you, how many of you were alive when September 11th, that, when those towers fell? Okay, you put your hands down. How many of you were not? You weren't around quite yet. All right. And we were just talking about how it, it is not remembered. And a matter of fact, freedom sometimes we take for granted. We don't remember its cost. We don't remember its cost. We take it completely for granted what we have. The freedom to come in here and freely assemble. The freedom, the freedom to cast a vote. The, all of those freedoms, and yet we take them sometimes for granted. But I think the thing we take the granted the most is not our freedoms in this world, but the freedom to come boldly before the throne of grace. To know that I have the privilege of entering into the throne room of God and making use of that in prayer. The privilege of it. In this passage of Scripture, the Lord reminds us we have a mediator in the Lord Jesus Christ. He sacrificed himself at Calvary that we might have access, that we might know the Lord, that we might be saved, but not merely that we might be saved, that we might have this privilege to pray. And then you see the call to prayer in verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made, uh, may be made for all men. Boy, there is a specific call from God that we would pray. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Jeremiah 33.3, that one we lean on often, call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Ask and ye shall receive. We could go on and on and on. I think of Samuel in the Old Testament when he said, God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you. Over and over again, the call to prayer. The Lord calls us to prayer. He calls us to communion with him. I would tell you this, Christian. God has called you to pray. You want to know what God's will is? Pray. He's called you to pray. It is God's will that we pray today. It is God's will that we will pray tomorrow. It is God's will that we will pray for those in leadership. Prayer is the will of God to the extent that he went to Calvary that we might be able to do it. A call to prayer. I think of how he says those, those supplications. Look what he said, supplication. It, it, it speaks to the specifics. 
lifting others up. I, I enjoy days like today because I put faces to folks. It is. Sometimes it's easy, I think, when it comes to, to political leaders that, that we just grow frustrated with what we see on television. But then you meet them in person and you see that they're made up of the same stuff you are, friend. They struggle with the same things you and I struggle with. And let us not pretend that, that they are any more given to duplicity than you or I are. The Bible says to be, uh, to be a respecter of person. It says for a, for a piece of bread a man will transgress. Sometimes our duplicity may not be as public. But we can be just as duplicitous with others. We can be one thing in someone's presence and someone, something else in another person's presence. We can be one thing on Sunday morning, another thing on Monday morning. And I'm reminded when I see folks that who they are. The supplication to pray with specificity, to specifically for those that are there, that, that matter of prayer. And then he says this, intercessions. To intercede for them. Prayer is that. He's talking about us. I, I think of that, that example of intercession. I think of Peter. Just before the Lord's crucifixion, when he would look at Peter and the Lord would say, Satan hath desire to have thee, that he may sift thee as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. He said, Peter, the devil wants you. And he is after you. And a matter of fact, before the night is over, you'll deny me three times. He said, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. It was intercessory prayer on the part of the Savior for Peter, holding him up in prayer. God calls us to hold up. To hold up, matter of fact, the people in prayer. And this he says, for all men, doesn't he? I put in my notes, I pray. That means pray for everybody you know. <laughs> I don't know everybody, but I ought to be praying for the ones I know. I'll be praying for those as God puts them on my mind and on my heart. On Saturdays, there's some, some preachers I'll pray for, and, and certain ones I'll, I'll split our church membership up by the day and pray for our deacons oftentimes on Mondays and various days. On Saturday, I pray for some, some different preachers that, are, that I know. And this morning, he laid some specific ones on my heart outside of that regular list, and I prayed for them. But praying for the folks that God lays upon our heart. Praying for all men interceding for them before the Lord. There is a call. The privilege of it. I think we are quick to grow frustrated, and when in our frustration, if we're not careful, our frustration leads us to disobedience. It can. It can lead us to disobedience. He says, Pray. I think of this when I think of our country and when I think of our leaders, when I think of our, our, our Christian brother, I, I would ask you, have you prayed for them? I would ask you, those about you who complain about, have you prayed for them? Have you prayed for them? Have you interceded for them before the Lord? Have you lifted them up in prayer? God nowhere com- calls us to complain, does he? <laughs> but he does call us to pray. If we're not careful, we'll be excessive in what he did not call us to do and do very little of what he has called us to do. I exhort you. I exhort you. Pray for all men. Lift them up in prayer. I think of the importance of praying for one another. I think of the importance. He he said this, and he said, and giving of thanks. And of giving of thanks. And of giving of thanks. (laughs) 
right? To give thanks. There's a tough one, right? Lord, I am thankful. I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. I'm thankful for those you have given us in leadership. I'm thankful for those that are around me. Giving of thanks. Giving of thanks. Calls us to intercede, to pray, to offer up specific prayers of supplication, to give thanks for those that are around us. Calls us to it. For those that we know, for those who lead. He says in verse 2, for kings and for all that are in authority. He said for kings and essentially for those that are in authority, those that he has placed under them. Now, this is a tall order. You think it's hard for you to pray for your leaders. You should think of Paul, Nero. Christians were being slain by the thousands. By the thousands. Paul himself had been on the part of those who did it. Going into place to place, imprisoning men and women for their, for their faith and delivering them up even unto death. And they were being killed for their faith. And Paul himself had held the coats of those who had stoned Stephen. But now it was running full force when this was written. Thankfully, Paul's life had been changed by the grace of God. wonder if some saint had prayed for him when he was persecuting, right? But God had changed his life, and now... Now he was on the other side of it saying, pray. He said, pray for those kings. Pray for Nero, this pagan ruler. And for all of those who are in authority, give thanks. I think of that as I think about our, the importance of what we do as a church and as a Christian to pray for our leaders, to lift them up in prayer, to spend time interceding for them on, on behalf of God or on their behalf before God, praying for their wisdom, praying for their lives, praying for sometimes it is that God would do something in their life, certainly to grant them wisdom in their life, interceding for them on their behalf, and Lord, would you, would you do a work in their life, a work of salvation? Would you do a work in their life of giving them wisdom? But there's the call to pray. I exhort you. And we see this. Look at the lastly. We'll look at the result of that prayer. Look at what it says here, and it says in verse 2 again, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You know, I think as I read that, Paul must not have enjoyed his time in jail, (laughs) right? It must not have been the highlight of his day. when he spent a night in that Philippian jail or when he was shipwrecked on the sea or, or when the many times that he had been beaten or betrayed by his own. And uh, I guess he longed a little bit like you and I long for a quiet and a peaceable life. He wanted to serve his God peaceably. And, uh, you know, you and I have the incredible benefit for the most part of being able to serve God peaceably. I, I drove here today without fear of, of someone pulling me over and arresting me for going to church tonight. He longed for what you and I have. The churches that he would write to, they longed for what you and I get to do. To enter into the house of God without a fear of who might come and find them. When they worshipped, they risked their life. I've often wondered if that happened here, if how many of us would still worship? 
would we still gather? Would we still gather if we knew they might come looking? But they did. Didn't forsake the summon of themselves together. They continued worship. And the call of prayer to pray, to pray that we might live a quiet and peaceable life. He said, I, these are in control of it. I think of it as our country and it becomes more secular. You notice the more secular our society becomes, the more antagonistic it becomes toward Christianity. The more godless a society becomes, the less it cares for Christianity. And we're seeing that unfold in our culture. And one of the answers to that for the Christian is to pray. To pray. And uh, we ought to spend more time praying for our leaders than we do watching the news or complaining about what's happening, but lifting them up in prayer. To call upon the Lord to do a work in their life. And, And I think not always just for our national leaders, but really in America, those who can impact us the most are our local leaders. We often grow frustrated with those in politics on the national level, and yet those who have the greatest hold on us are all local leaders. And God calls us to pray, to lift them up in prayer and to, to pray for them and, and to pray. And he said that we might live a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. To be able to live a godly life for the Lord, living an honest life before the Lord, and live it peacefully. We are living the church's dream for that matter. We're living the church's dream that we can do that. And to be honest, it's, a, it's an exception to the history of Christianity. The existence, to be able to serve God peacefully in America is the, is the exception to world history when it came to Christ. Because since Christ died on the cross, Christians have been persecuted for their faith. And it is the exception on the shores of America that we get to worship God in peace. It's the exception in the Western world. In China, it's not so free. In the Middle East, it's not so free. There's many places it's not nearly that free. What we have is an exception. And God calls us to pray. I wonder if we ever lose it. I don't think it will be lost at a ballot box, but it will be lost as Christians fail to pray. As we fail to pray for those that are in authority around us, for it is pleasing. I think of what he says, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful or a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. To live a good and acceptable life in the sight of God our Savior, I think it all begins with prayer. I think the Lord, if he exhorts us to pray, finds it good and acceptable when we do pray. To lift them up in prayer and say, Lord, here they are. I'm bringing them before the Lord, and I'm asking you to do something in their life. To find something that is good and acceptable before him and and know that God is pleased with the prayers of his people. That should be a sufficient enough reason in our life, shouldn't it? It really should. We get very busy, don't we? We get very busy. We get caught up with things and many different things. Sometimes we're not careful. We pray and fail to pray for even those that we love, let alone those we don't know very well. And the call of Scripture here is that we would spend some time in prayer and be that we might be able to live a life that is, is good, godliness and honesty, that is good and acceptable in the sight of the Lord. And, and that prayer is good and acceptable in the sight 
of the Lord. You can please God today by praying for your leaders. You can please God today by spending time in prayer. I think of the call of Corinthians when the Lord calls us. He said that whether present or absent, we would be accepted in his sight. God would call us whether present or absent. He's speaking of whether we're present in this life, whether we're to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, whether we are here or there, that our life is such that it's pleasing before him. And one of the things that brings pleasure to the sight of the Lord is when his saints spend time in prayer. Spend time in prayer. Don't let your day become so busy that you fail to pray. Don't let your day become so busy that you don't carve out some time to spend time with the Lord. Well, I think of our country, don't, don't let your life be so busy that the only thing we do is complain about our leaders and not pray for our leaders. I, I, God has given us this call. I exhort, I exhort, I challenge you, I, I ask of you, therefore, that first of all, all supplications and prayer, but not only peaceful Christian living and, and, and not only life that is pleasing in his sight, but look at what he says in verse 4, who will have all men to be saved. God doesn't pick and choose those that get saved, does he? Who will, his will is that all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of truth. God's desire is that all men would be saved, that all men would come to the knowledge of the truth, that all men would hear the gospel and come to know Christ as their personal Savior. There's no picking and choosing with God. It's for whosoever will gospel. But what is this impact that folks would come to know Christ? The fruit of prayer. I think of this, I, how desperately I, we ought to be in prayer, and not only for all men, but those that we know and leaders, that they would come to know Christ. They would come to know Christ. Those that are around us would come to know the same Lord that you and I know so well, that they would know him. And I, here in this passage of Scripture, God, God gives us this clear call. And the result of this, this prayer is that you and I would leave a peace, peaceful Christian living. And not always do we get that, but God, but prayer can bring it about. Pleasing in the sight of the Lord and that all men would come to know Christ as their Savior. That is the will of God and God's people should be in prayer. I have to admit, I've been convicted lately. I was even telling my brother not that long ago, I am frustrated. <laughs> And I can't remember, I was talking to Paul Smith with Citizens Impact and over there in Atlanta. And, you know, when he represents, you know, he stand, he's a, sticks up for Christian schools and churches there in, in, in Atlanta and went over there for a meeting with him not that long ago. And, and I said, you know, what? I am just, I am tired of politics. <laughs> I'm tired of politics a little bit. But I hope I never get tired of praying for those that are there. I hope I never grow weary. I, I, I understand growing weary with it. But let us not let our weariness to lead to disobedience. Amen. Let us not let our weariness lead to apathy. Let us not let our weariness lead, keep us from doing our civic duty, the freedoms that God has given to us to vote. Let us not let our weariness get, make us silence our voices. Our weariness shouldn't bring us to the place of, of failing to pray, but rather we should lift our voices up in prayer to our, and intercede for them on their behalf. And it is good and acceptable in the sight of the Lord that we might live a, a peaceful life, that we might live a life that is pleasing before him, that, that people might come to know Christ. And you say, well, what does it matter, my friend, if that's saved? 
Savior could rise again on the third day, then he can change someone's life. The privilege of prayer is what proves that God still can. For for those of us who would come to that place where maybe we question whether it can still happen, I would ask you, is the tomb still empty? Is the tomb still empty? Was it on the third day that our Savior rose again? And has that Savior changed your life? Did that Savior reach down and save your soul? Did he die on the cross for your sins? And has he changed your life? And if God could change a man like Paul, then God can change any man. And I am afraid so many times and personally afraid that we can let our weariness take our eyes off the fact that God still can. And it leads us to a place of failing to pray. Of failing to pray. We grow weary, we grow calloused, we grow apathetic, we grow angry, and we do not grow prayerful. And here is the call from the Lord. I exhort you. If you think you are frustrated, I wonder what Paul felt like in a Roman prison cell. (laughs) How many times? And yet he still said pray. He would write back to this, but Timothy, Timothy, I'll tell you something. You better pray. Church, I'm going to tell you something. You better pray. The message hasn't changed. Christian, we better pray. We should pray. Pray for our president, to pray for our vice president, to pray for our senators, to pray for our congressmen, to pray for our governor, to pray for our state representatives and state senators, to pray for our mayor, to pray for our councilmen, to pray for our first responders that serve in our city, to pray for them, to lift them up before the Lord and say, God, I'm bringing them before you. Lord, I'm praying for all men, those that are around me that I know. Or I'm lifting them up in prayer, but I'm also praying for those that are around us. I, it's convicting to think about it because I would say many times it's not on our prayer list. It's on our list of aggravations, right? It's on the things that bother us, that disturb us, that frustrate us. If we're not careful, it is not on our prayer list. And God says, pray. I exhort you. And just to remember, this isn't just Paul telling Timothy because you and I hold it today. God's been inspired it when it was written, and he's preserved it for us today. He made sure that when, it, when Paul wrote it to Timothy, that it wasn't just a message for Timothy. It was a message for all of us. Still with a call, I exhort you, pray. Pray. I am thankful for this wonderful country of ours. I'm thankful. I still believe it's the greatest on earth, though it's getting a little less shiny every day. I believe it. I'm thankful that I was born in this place. I'm thankful my children are born in this place. I'm thankful for what I have. I am thankful for uh, the freedoms that we have. I am thankful for that piece of paper, the Constitution, that has kept us from being in a really bad spot many times. I am thankful for it. And God said to give thanks. We should be thankful for those who have lead in our life, even when sometimes we struggle liking them. We should be thankful. We should be thankful. But most of all, we should be prayerful. We should be a prayerful people. 
Lord, they need a wisdom that comes from you. They need the grace of God in their life. They need salvation. And I'm asking you, would you work in their life? Not a suggestion for the Christian. This was a command. This is not God saying in your spare moments, in your spare time, if you can, would you pray? This is God saying, I exhort you. I call you. I command you, pray. Because you and I have access to the supreme throne. Well, there's a lot of presidency. There's a lot of political offices. And there's kings that have sat on thrones. But there's one king of kings. And there is one lord of lords. And friend, he is coming back again, regardless of what any other person in authority does. They couldn't stop him coming to this earth and dying on the cross and rising again. And they won't stop him coming the second time. He is the king, and that king calls us to pray. And that king rose again the third day. And that king is still in the business of changing lives. So what is our call? Pray. I can vote, and I will. Even sometimes when I wonder how much it's going to work, but I'll vote. But I tell you what, I've got more confidence in a prayer than I do a vote. Because I know who hears the prayer. And I know him. And I know that he answers. I would challenge you tonight, whether it's at the altar or not, or, or at your seat. Boy, lift your leaders up in prayer. As many as you can name, you pray for them. Whether it's at the local level, or at our state level, or at our national level, well, lift him up in prayer and ask God to let you be less frustrated and more motivated to pray for your leaders. Let me pray. God, forgive me, as Samuel would say, God forbid that I should sin and ceasing to pray for you. God, forgive me for sinning and ceasing to pray for those that you have put in leadership in our country. Lord, let me pray. And I think this, I think God hears and answers prayer. And we may never know the exact impact of a prayer, but God does answer prayer. And God does work. And we don't know how many of us have been spared because of someone's prayer. I I mentioned it earlier, but I think of Saul, who became Paul, whose life was changed. Now, we know that God sent Annas to go and pray for him, didn't he, Ananias? Sent him to go pray for him. He was a little fearful of it. But he went and prayed, and he prayed for him. But I wonder if it started before that. I've often wondered if maybe he went into the wrong church, took the wrong person out, and somebody said, now I'm praying for that fella, <laughs> that God would change his life, that God would put him on a different route, on a road not to persecute the church, but to go start churches. And I wonder when we get to heaven if we will find out that some saint in Damascus was on their knees because they heard someone was coming. Or some saint in Jerusalem was on their knees because they knew the man was on his way to Damascus. And some saint bade about his knees and prayed, and the God of heaven heard, and the God of heaven confronted Saul, Paul, on the Damascus road and said, it is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And I would pray this, Christian, we should be in prayer. Our country needs prayers. Our leaders need prayer. You and I need prayer, and they certainly do.
So let's pray together. Lord, let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for the goodness of the Lord. Just a simple message is from your word. You've exhorted us to pray. And Lord, I, I myself at times have grown weary of it all. And Lord, I pray that you would grant us that forgiveness for those times when we have failed to do as you have commanded. But I pray that would change for us tonight. Lord, I pray that we would add it to our prayer list at home. We would carve out some time. And maybe it's on the way to work. Maybe it's at, pers- at home. Maybe it's the next time we're frustrated with something that happens that rather than allowing that frustration to roll over into more frustration, we spend some time into prayer. Or use us to pray for our leaders. And Lord, use us as a church to have an influence for Christ in this world. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask you this first question. Do you know Christ? I haven't said much about it tonight, but obviously a little bit that are privileged. But if you'd say, preacher, I know that I'm saved. That's settled for me. Would you raise your hand? And it's a testimony between you and I and the Lord. Thank you. You may put your hand down. If you'd say, preacher, I, I think about the mediator and what he's done, but I don't think I know Christ as my Savior. And I need to be saved tonight. And I'd like to put my trust in him. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Is there anybody? Let me ask you this, Christian. How many of you say, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart? Just a reminder, a simple reminder to pray. And it's so easy to get so frustrated that we, we don't do it. So easy to do it. But you say, hey, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart this evening. Would you, would you raise your hand? Would you stand with me? And, boy, as God has spoken to your heart, take it to the Lord. And, but I would, call, I would challenge you this evening as well to pray for those tonight. As that pianist just begins to play, why don't you just... As God has spoken to your heart, do business with God. But, but also take that moment and just say, Lord, I want to pray for some of our leaders. Some of them were here this morning in terms of a local level, but some of them we may never get to meet. But the decisions they make still have an incredible impact on our lives and our ministries and our families. And why don't you take some time to pray for them as God has spoken to your heart this evening.